Well, hello, friends. Ryan Ray sitting inside the war room once again. Thank you so much, wherever you might be. Before we get into today, today's guest, um, could you do me a favor? Could you go to iTunes? Could you drop a five-star? It really helps the show out. Today's guest is a big name, and it helps bring on more big names. I'm talking about Miranda Devine, who is the author of the Hunter Biden book, Laptop from Hell. Be sure to check it out. She also writes for um, New York Post. She's on Fox News, all over the place. We'll link to her Twitter in the show notes, which you can find where? That's right, RyanRaySenior.com. That's RyanRaySenior.com, where all the show notes will be. Be sure to buy her book. Find her on Twitter. Tell her thank you for coming on and drop a five-star while you're on your phone listening to this quality podcast. Without further ado, let's talk about Hunter Biden and his laptop from hell. Well, it is lovely to have you on the program. How are you doing? I'm really well. Thank you. Good to be with you. Thanks for having me on. Okay. So let me back up and just tell you a quick story. I was in China um, in November of 2019. And that's when the Trump impeachment was going on. And I was with some journalists from various media outlets. Um, I won't say here. And there was this big debate over, you know, Trump and Ukraine. And and I, and I kept saying, well, you know, we've got this whole Hunter Biden thing with uh, Burisma. And, you know, and listen, um, just kind of listed off some of the cronyism you've seen at the top. And, and so you have that. And then um, that was in 2019. So in 2020, I was with a reporter from a, another, a very large U.S. outlet. And I was like, hey, what do you think of this Hunter Biden laptop? Story? <clears throat> and he's like, oh, I don't know. You know, New York Post, you can't really trust them like you used to. Da, da, da. And so I kind of want to compare those two positions. At all times, my thing was we should expect these people that run our country to be corrupt and we shouldn't be surprised. And we should be surprised, should be surprised that people plant evidence to make them look corrupt. So that's always been my stance on this issue. So help me understand is this really corruption? Why should we believe the Hunter Biden laptop story? How bad is it? Because I could see it being either way, but you're the author, you're the expert. So unpack it for us. That's a really good question because uh, I think it's it's proper to be skeptical and, uh, you know, all information, there's so much misinformation and, you know, false information that does the rounds. Uh, and certainly there has been false information around this story. Um, so I'll just tell you how we verified uh, what was on the laptop. And um, mainly, you know, my book is not just about the laptop. It is also about Tony Bobolinsky, who was one of Hunter Biden's former business partners, and all his devices and his documents and WhatsApp messages and uh, emails and text messages that he handed over to the FBI back in October 2020, just after we broke the first story about the laptop. And his material corroborates a lot of the material on the laptop, particularly around the Chinese deal, the last Chinese deal the Bidens did. Um, and so, you know, it's the same emails and so on. Um, and then there's another um, sort of, I guess, piece of the jigsaw puzzle. And that is uh, all the financial material that um, Chuck Grasley and Ron Johnson, two Republican senators, uh, gathered up in their investigation into Hunter Biden and the corruption around that Ukrainian energy company, Burisma. And these are Treasury Department documents. They're called suspicious activity reports. And um, they're required to be filed by banks 
um, like JP Morgan Chase, uh, whenever there's some sort of suspect transaction going on, some uh, unusual money flow from a suspect source, say, you know, from a sanctioned individual like some of these Russian oligarchs that Hunter and Jim Biden were hanging out with, um, or if it's a huge amount of money that looks like it could be coming from sex trafficking or drugs or corruption. Um, so there were 150 of those suspicious activity reports. That is highly unusual. And they related to Hunter Biden and his associates um, and his uncle, Jim Biden, who's Joe Biden's younger brother. So those three pieces of the jigsaw puzzle, when you put them together, they give a pretty clear pattern of corruption. And that is what I call uh, the influence peddling schemes that uh, Joe Biden's family was running while he was vice president. And in fact, uh, they were just internationalizing schemes that Joe Biden had run since his very earliest days in Delaware, you know, more than 40 years ago, uh, where he was shaking down donors. Or maybe the better way of saying it is donors were pressing uh, gifts upon him uh, in, you know, uh, inflated salaries for his family members or um, cheap houses, those sorts of favours that, uh, you know, a, a big corporate, and there were a lot of them because Delaware, of course, is the capital of uh, incorporation in the country. A lot of big corporates there. He, um, you know, it's a small state, but as the senator from the small state, Joe Biden was incredibly powerful. Uh, and he also took on these uh, roles as the head of the Foreign Affairs Committee and, um, and such like. So that and the Judicial uh, Affairs Committee. And, you know, that made him the person to go to uh, if you wanted um, sort of favours done, uh, whether it be on getting a judgeship or uh, any sort of business activities overseas or, you know, a credit card company in Delaware uh, went to Joe Biden. He helped them uh, make sure that some, some legislation didn't go through that would have been detrimental to them, but good for the consumer. So there's always been this handshake, quid pro quo uh, atmosphere around Joe Biden. And in fact, there's a name that the FBI uh, and the authorities give for that kind of back slapping, you know, handshaking sort of activity going on in Delaware. They call it the Delaware way. So Joe Biden was a very practiced practitioner of this kind of uh, corruption uh, before he became vice president. And then when he was vice president, he just turbocharged it and internationalized it. And his son, Hunter Biden, had been always the family bag man, as I said, getting these inflated salaries. He complains in emails in the laptop about having to give half his money to his father, about having his whole career, having to uh, support the extended family. So he did get a lot of money. Uh, tens of millions of dollars came into the Biden family coffers, but he had to share a lot of that. And of course, he also had a raging crack addiction uh, that's evidenced by material photographs, videos, emails, and so on, on the laptop but also in Hunter Biden's own memoir, Beautiful Things, he, I, I think, tried to get out ahead of the uh, revelations from the laptop and sort of fessed up about his uh, former crack addiction, alcohol addiction, porn addiction, prostitute addiction. Uh, it's all catalogued there on the laptop because he had this sort of, I don't know, pathological desire to record every aspect of his life, mostly while he was naked. 
Okay, so I guess one of the things that I've wondered about, um, it was alleged at one point that maybe the Russians had planted the laptop. Um, and again, that would seem to be quite plausible. You've got this dirt on this vice president's son. Do you think that Hunter Biden actually dropped the laptop off um, or was it stolen from him and someone dropped it off knowing that this guy is likely to turn it over? What's your thought on that? I believe that he did drop it off. Uh, I think John Paul MacIsaac, who's the owner of the store, is a very credible witness. Uh, also, there's documentation. Uh, there's Hunter Biden's signature on the receipt. Um, there's his phone number. Um, it's his laptop uh, that was handed over by John Paul MacIsaac to the FBI. Um, and, and there's also the, you know, the fact that um, it's not out of character for Hunter Biden to drop off the laptop and leave it there because uh, we know of three laptops that he's uh, that have gone missing that he's misplaced. Um, one of them he left behind at his uh, psychiatrist house, Keith Ablow in Newburyport, Massachusetts, uh, that stayed under lock and key in a safe. Uh, and he was asked repeatedly to come and pick it up, just like John Paul MacIsaac asked him repeatedly to pick up his laptop. He didn't do that. Um, and a third laptop. Uh, we know from Hunter's own account uh, in a video recording that he made uh, on the laptop we have um, uh, with a prostitute uh, when he was just discussing with her about um, his concerns that this other laptop had been stolen, he said, by Russian drug dealers in Vegas. And this was at a period when he was on another crack bender. He was in Vegas in a very expensive hotel room that happened to have like a private lap pool inside it that looked over the Vegas lights uh, with a glass bottom. And um, he said to this prostitute in this video recording that he woke up face down in the pool, uh, unconscious, obviously he'd been unconscious, probably passed out from all the drugs, uh, woke up, came to, to find these drug dealers and prostitutes in his room that he'd invited in, obviously, going through all his stuff Obviously, they thought he was dead. They didn't even try and rescue him. Uh, and they were stealing all his stuff and they stole his laptop. And um, so, you know, there's also evidence on the laptop of how many device, Apple devices he bought. I mean, he was, I can't remember the exact number, but it's dozens and dozens of new iPads, new iPhones, new laptops. Um, and he just was very lackadaisical about his property and that, that is really what drug addicts are like. Uh, he, he, in his memoir, he even talks about um, staying at the you know thousand dollar a night hotel room uh, at the Chateau Marmont in Hollywood, and he spent months on end. And uh, he'd just do crack every day, make his own crack. And he invited um, what he called like an ant parade of uh, hookers and drug dealers into the room, and they just robbed him blind and they stole everything that was you know, not nailed down. They stole towels and they stole gloves and they uh, emptied out the mini bar and they ordered sirloin steak and champagne on his tab. Um, so that explains how he went through so much money so fast, um, but it also shows you how careless he was. Okay, so one of the things that frustrated me during the Trump presidency was we saw the media for the first time in my life actually scrutinize every single thing the president did. Um, <laughs> A lot of times it was nonsense, but they were actually like questioning everything they did. When these revelations come out, you, a normal person should wonder what percentage of our politicians have sons, nieces, nephews, daughters who are living not necessarily a crack lifestyle, but a lifestyle similar to Hunter Biden 
Um, and are we investigating that? Because that's the true corruption we claim that we want to root out in society. Um, has these revelations opened up maybe other high members of Congress or senator presidential offices um, that have similar lifestyles? That's a really good question because uh, this um, disease of uh, corruption, influence peddling in particular, is in Washington is a bipartisan disease. Uh, Republican, Democrats. Um, this has been going on for a very long time, and that's why I say to people, um, you know, when when we're putting our faith in the Republicans uh, winning back the House and maybe the Senate after the midterms, uh, they are saying, oh, well, we'll be doing lots of investigations into Hunter Biden. We'll be sub subpoenaing the family. And 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 the, the hope of that is that they will uncover the corruption that goes right to the top, to the president. Um, but uh, if we have to all watch them, because if they start pulling their punches, if they start uncovering corruption on their own side, we know that they're not, not serious. And we know that this disease, which is so corrosive to the Republic, it is so bad for this country and for our national security in particular, um, that, that will never get rooted out. It's going to be difficult to stamp out corruption in Washington. You probably can't completely stamp it out. Um, but what Joe Biden is doing is not the Lone Ranger, he may be probably the most practiced and it's the most egregious and obvious um, sort of case, but uh, there are others who are probably doing it in a more sophisticated way. And also um, there was just this entitlement uh, among the Biden family uh, that came from being related to a senator and then a vice president. You know, the fact, the idea that they could just use uh, taxpayer resources for private use anytime they like. They could use Air Force Two to travel around the world, doing business deals, going on holidays uh, with, you know, with Joe Biden, that, um, uh, that, that Cab David or other resources of the presidency were just their remit. Um, that, uh, you know, Joe Biden got his family members so many freebies, whether it was you know, government sinecures or United Nations sinecures at $20,000 a pop or uh, jobs, you know, with donors or with big corporates in Washington, D.C., uh, or getting into university, uh, Ivy League colleges whenever they wanted or getting clerkships with judges, you name it. The Bidens were the absolute embodiment of white privilege, which is hilariously ironic since Joe Biden railed against white privilege uh, during his campaign and still does. And I think that's really just projection onto the rest of America, which is blameless, uh, doesn't carry on like they do. Uh, Joe Biden, who continually tells the world that he's the poorest man in Congress, um, somehow lives this champagne and caviar lifestyle, lives in um, lavish mansions, uh, has, um, you know, uh, clothes and family members who are, who are living like playboys. Uh, so um, we don't buy that. And I think you're right to point out that um, this, the, the media needs to be consistent uh, when they went after Donald Trump you can say, fine, uh, I think if you go into politics, you deserve a really strict scrutiny. But then when it came to Joe Biden, who actually is uh, very seriously, um, uh, you know, seems to be compromised when it comes to China because of all the money that his family uh, received, millions of dollars from China, 
um, where it really is an aspect of national security, there is this amazing incuriosity from the media, this sort of naiveness, this gullibility, a naivete. Um, and uh, it, you, it, you can't have one standard for Republicans or one standard for Donald Trump because you hate his guts and another standard for Joe Biden because you, you know, he, he's your hero because he got rid of Donald Trump, who you're yeah. deranged about. It doesn't matter whether you like Donald Trump or not. It doesn't matter whether you vote for the Republicans or not. You should expect the media to hold both sides to equal standards. Yeah, and I think that this is a, a larger problem. I mean, obviously, the media media on all sides is biased. I'm biased. We're all biased. Um, but I, I remember, and I've, and I've talked about this before, um, if you go back pre-COVID, we were told that one of the biggest threats to America, because everything's always obviously a big threat, is Big Pharma. <laughs> big Pharma is going to yeah. kill us all. And then COVID happens, and guess what? We trust Big Pharma now. In the media, uh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying that those two are the same companies or any of that. I'm saying that we, the media have a terrible job of narrative to narrative, and they, and they never piece together why the narratives are different or at least make an argument. And so you go from Trump full of corruption to Biden, we ignore corruption, and there's no, there's never any explaining of, hey, this is why we're handling this different. This is why this is different, because sometimes those things are different. Um, I think in this case it's not, but but the media kind of goes from narrative to narrative, and it's quite interesting because – down here in Texas, you can kind of sit back and watch all this from afar and go, huh, this last week y'all were saying, y'all were saying this was the worst thing ever. And now this week it's not. And so it, it makes it very, it makes it very, um, I think for flyover country, at least it makes it, <laughs> makes it a little bit uh, a different perspective. But I, one of the things that I've struggled with, with this whole Hunter Biden thing, because um, we've had this Epstein narrative going on for some time now, right? <clears throat> and one of the arguments with Epstein was, is that Epstein was taking pictures of people in very provocative situations, so the CIA or some government entity yeah. could use that against um, them, and that we know that that's an espionage tactic. But yet, here's Hunter Biden, who's willingly taking all this information and is not being used. Does that? How do we reconcile those two things? Because you would think that if the quote deep state or whomever wanted to deter the Bidens, they could have. But on the flip side, now it's out there for the world to see. So I, I have a hard time grappling with that. Yeah, you've identified something that is still a mystery to me, uh, the involvement of the intelligence services. Um, there, there must have been involvement. You see a shadow of it uh, in the laptop from time to time. Um, I, I just have two observations. One is that uh, the, the head of the CIA during the Obama years when Joe Biden was vice president, when Hunter the crackhead was ricocheting around the world, uh, in being involved in the inner sanctum of both Vladimir Putin and President Xi Jinping of China, uh, the head of the CIA was John Brennan. Now, John Brennan was the guy who now retired, uh, got 50 other uh, former high-level uh, intelligence officials to sign a letter uh, within four days of our story, the New York Post story about the laptop um, hitting, uh, you know, being published uh, three weeks before the election, John Brennan organised this dishonest letter signed by 51 intelligence operatives, former, uh, which claimed that in their expert opinion, the laptop and therefore our story uh, had all the hallmarks of Russian disinformation. Now, this was a lie, outright lie, and they must have known it being who they were. Uh, and um, it was very improper and unethical, I would even dare say corrupt, of them to write that letter. Um, they had no permission from their 
you know, the NSA or the CIA or their former employers to actually use classified knowledge that they had uh, to, to make a pronouncement without getting it cleared first, which would have taken months and, of course, would have uh, robbed them of this opportunity to get Biden off the hook, because that was the aim of the letter. It was to get Joe Biden off the hook, and it worked because um, already big tech and the rest of the media, uh, big tech had censored our story, the left-wing media ignored it, and then this letter came along, and that just clinched the deal for everybody. Uh, the rest of the media just said, well, that's it. It's a Russian disinformation operation. We're not looking at it. And Joe Biden stood up at the last debate against Donald Trump a couple of days later, and he was able to say dishonestly uh, that the intelligence community has said this is Russian disinformation that you are peddling. Uh, so terrible story. And, you know, we, we know now that if um, Biden voters had known about this, half of them had no idea about the laptop and the corruption on it and Joe Biden's involvement in this influence peddling operation that his son and brother were running around the world. 50% um, didn't know. And we know that about 13%, if they had known, would have changed their vote. And in an election that was decided by, I think, 45,000 votes in a handful of states, uh, that could have made a material difference. So that censorship, John Brennan's involvement with that letter is, is seriously wrong. And the other quick observation about the intelligence services is that Hunter Biden is there. He has access that a spy would kill for. Uh, you know, right, the, the oligarchs who's having breakfast uh, with oligarchs in Moscow um, who are in the inner sanctum, you know, at the right hand of Vladimir Putin. Um, he had breakfast with one of these oligarchs uh, having got off a plane from Washington, D.C., where he just had a State Department lunch with Xi Jinping, the, the then vice president of China, now president. So he had access, like you wouldn't believe, oligarchs, um, you know, CCP officials, uh, you know, the top people in Romania and uh, Kazakhstan and so on. Um, and he was introducing his father to them, getting his father to glad hand them at restaurants in Washington, D.C. and so on. And um, everywhere he went, even though he was a drug addict and put himself in very dangerous situations, he always seemed to come out unscathed. And so even after he had waived off his Secret Service protection, I feel that there must have been someone from the intelligence agencies that was keeping an eye on him because you would not let the vice president's son roam around the world in these kind of dangerous situations without protecting him. And I wonder if the intelligence services might not have been using Hunter Biden for the information that he was gleaning from those inner sanctums. I, have no evidence for that, but it would make sense. And there are a couple of, you know, dubious or not dubious, but sort of mysterious, intriguing uh, entries in the, his calendar at times um, that make me wonder, I wonder who that is. Okay. I know we've got just a few minutes here. Um, you've, you've mentioned dubious entries. How much more is there more from the laptop? Is, has, has it been vetted fully? Is there things that you guys can't report on? Like where are we at on just that aspect of, the, of this investigation? Well, really, um, it, it, we'd sort of plundered it all, but there was this one cache of information, um, which was an iPhone backup uh, that was encrypted uh, on the laptop. And our legal advice was that we could not uh, break into that, 
we could not decrypt it. Um, so we left it alone. Others uh, have decided that it's worth the risk. Um, and also, you know, it's not really hacking because Hunter left his all his passwords on his laptop. So I guess I guess whoever did it just typed in the password. Um, but anyway, the, others have uh, have tapped into it, um, particularly a group called Marco Polo, uh, which is a sort of a non-profit conservative group. And they've uh, done, from what I can see, pretty good work forensically going through every aspect of the laptop um, and particularly this new material. Uh, I guess you'd know everything else because it's in my book and we've reported a lot of it. But um, but the iPhone material is, uh, is new and is intriguing. Um, and there's a couple of uh, the most important things in there, I think, are a voicemail from Joe Biden to Hunter Biden, uh, just expressing relief that a New York Times article in 2018 had just come out and that um, they were worried, Hunter was in a panic, that it was going to expose uh, the family's involvement with this Chinese energy company. And the story barely scraped the surface and hardly mentioned the Bidens. So um, that showed that Joe Biden did have knowledge about his son Hunter's overseas business dealings, even though he said repeatedly that he had no clue what Hunter was up to. Um, and we've got lots of evidence that he definitely had a clue and was involved. Um, and then the other piece of uh, evidence that's sort of interesting is that there's a video on there of uh, Hunter Biden cavorting in a cheap motel room with a prostitute stark naked and waving around a... Um, you know, what looks like a pistol, I, I'm told that it's actually a replica pistol, uh, but whatever it is, he's waving it around, uh, pointing it at the camera. And this is only a matter of weeks, um, very short time after he had lied on a background check when he bought a gun uh, in Delaware. And on the background check, he had to tick a box saying that he was not using drugs and uh, he ticked it, even though he <laughs> was a raging crack addict at that time. Uh, and then it's also just a couple of weeks before uh, Hallie Biden, who was Hunter Biden's sister-in-law um, and widowed sister-in-law, his brother had died of a brain uh, cancer shortly before, he was having this um, torrid affair with her and um, she must have been concerned about his stability because she found the gun and she took it to a local uh, grocery store and threw it in a trash can outside, um, which was right opposite a school. Uh, when he found out, he got angry with her, told her to go and get the gun back. The gun was missing and a vagrant had come and taken it. And uh, so the police were called and then the state police, the local police, uh, the feds were called. Everyone was there trying to find this gun and trying to cover up for Hunter Biden, basically, because um, two men who declared that they were Secret Service agents arrived uh, at the same time at the gun shop where Hunter had bought the gun and demanded the uh, the background check papers, uh, the sale papers uh, that Hunter had signed. And to his great credit, the owner of that shop refused to hand them over because then there'd be no evidence of any crime uh, or alleged crime. Uh, and so uh, that's probably the best out of the iPhone backup. There's a lot of salacious stuff, drug taking and, you know, mm -hmm. prostitution and, and, and so on. Uh, I mean, people are going through it now and making much of it. But my point with the laptop is you know, you can easily get distracted by the sex and drugs and rock and roll. Uh, but, you know, that's Hunter Biden. I have some sympathy for him. He did have a, a terrible addiction. Um, and I, I don't think his father 
was good to him, um, even though he loved him. Uh, Hunter loved his father very much, but he also, I think, was very angry with him. I think really the value, though, of the laptop is what it tells you about Joe Biden. It's about Joe Biden. It's about the way he used his son Hunter as his bag man. It was about the way he abused the trust of the United States to extract money from overseas, uh, you know, countries that are our adversaries, China and Russia and, you, well, Ukraine's not an adversary, but China and Russia, to name two. Okay. Um, where do you want to send people? Do you have another book coming out soon? You're at the New York Post, giving big articles. Um, we'll, we'll, we will release this tomorrow for the time that we're recorded. So what do you have on your docket? Uh, so I am working on another book, but I can't tell you what it is yet. Um, won't be out till next year. Um, but the laptop from hell is um, for sale on Amazon and Barnes and Noble, uh, all good bookstores. Um, it's still doing really well. Um, it's a guide. If you're confused about all the stories that have come out, it'll tell you who's who in the zoo uh, and, you know, give you an idea of the money trail and uh, Hunter's travels and exploits. Um, and uh, and otherwise you can find me at the New York Post and on, on Twitter and Getter and all social media. Okay, thank you. And when your new book comes out, we look forward to hearing about it and get you back on. Love to. Thanks so much.